You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Jessie Sierra was living many little girls' wildest dreams. A ballerina since age five, she went professional at 14, growing up quickly in an intense environment that demanded full focus, energy, attention, and ambition. But even still, Jessie Sierra figured out how to make and actually be okay with a plan B once she realized that being a professional ballerina might not be her forever plan. Today, we talk super candidly about what that meant and what that looked like, and she shares some awesome tips about strategically and creatively pivoting in life and how to not lose your identity or have a total mental breakdown along the way. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I am just delighted. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here, a fellow blogger, but you have the most incredible thing on your resume that never in a million years could I hope to add to mine, which is you are a professional ballerina, uh, which is quite the life and quite the lifestyle, very regimented, very strict from what I've heard, although admittedly, I know nothing. So, um, but I do know that your story is full of a lot of transitions and pivots to get to the place where you're at now, which is married mama of three, someone who's food blogging. And let me tell you, I, we were just talking before we hit record, her blog is beautiful and I'm drooling. I saw those gingerbread espresso cinnamon (laughs) rolls and now I need them in my belly immediately. So (laughs) tell us your story. The floor is yours, um, to tell us everything about you. Well, fabulous. And you know, I wish I could airmail those uh, giant espresso gingerbread cinnamon rolls. They were oh, they a hit, look, but they look we'll so get good. to food and drink <laughs> and, and that passion in, in a minute. But um, yeah, so just like you said, I started my career off as a professional ballet dancer. I, I began training at the tender age of five years old and wow. quickly became professional by 14 years old. So I had to jump in sink or swim into this no doubt amazing world of art and music and theater and personalities but also drama and adult drama and being a little 14 year old i had to grow up pretty quickly and i was lucky i had a strong core a strong base um my family was very loving and i went in full tilt and this was what i wanted to do i had known since i was a very little girl that i wanted to be a professional ballerina and i had this very direct pinpointed focus on what I was going to do, what I was going to achieve and when I was going to do it. So um, after years of training and dancing professionally with several New England companies, I eventually transitioned. And this is where I had my first kind of foray into plan B. So plan B for me has been a life motto, always have a backup. And I can thank my mother for instilling that in me from the very get go, because in my 
teen years where I thought, oh, it was an end all be all to dancing. And that's all I was ever going to be. My mother forced me to apply to colleges when I was 18 years old. And I got into several prestigious dance conservatories all across the, uh, the nation. And I put them on hold. I deferred them for three years. And thank goodness I did, because at age 21, I found myself burnt out. I had been dancing very heavily, very strictly in a dance company that was um, on the surface very um, prestigious and it was fun, no doubt the people were amazing and the dancing was amazing, but I didn't find the mental stimulation that I needed, nor the emotional support so at age 21 I sat down and wondered what do I do now and mm -hmm. all of these years from age five until 21. I was always Jesse the ballerina and suddenly I was Jesse dot 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 question mark mm. and this was a crisis for me and uh, thank goodness I deferred and I said okay well I have this plan B I'm going to go to college and at least for a year and figure out what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. I went uh, to Point Park University in Pittsburgh, PA to their conservatory. I was a scholarship kid, graduated within three years. Um, and then came my next pivot, dot, dot, dot. What do I do now? My health had taken a turn during my college years. I was no longer able to pursue professional dance in the capacity I had once done because physically I had encountered this um, it was a true crisis again of gaining 60 pounds in six months as my thyroid went on the fritz it burnt out um, after many sort of conversations and appointments with various doctors who gave me several different labels from underactive thyroid to ovarian cancer and freeze your eggs, you know, as a 20 and 21 year old. Um, to you know what we over medicated you and this is what you're going to be now. And it was another moment of what do I do and pivoted again. Um, and it's been a series of pivots since then, but I've never looked at my transitions and their transitions. They're not necessarily changes of plan. And I think that's a really important distinction. I stayed within the field of dance for three of those transitions. I eventually became a master ballet um, instructor and choreographer in Boston. And but I stayed three times within the world that I adored that I had trained that I had connections and that still fed my soul. So that's been something that I have really emphasized to not only my students to always have that backup plan and to always think for the future, because there's always a time, particularly in the arts, where you may have that career excuse me, clear in mind, but there is a limitation that could be injury, could be age, it could be burnout, or it could be that you just want to transition out, always have an idea for the future and start to create that base much earlier than you think you should. Mm -hmm. That's such a great tip. And one that I think is important really for any field that people are in, because I know I had experienced something similar when I was considering my own career, career fields and whatever. And I was fortunate enough at the time in college, I had already met the man who I'm now married to. And we were already thinking, okay, we know we want a family in the future. So my, what I had previously came in with, with maybe I was thinking, all right, I'm going to go to New York and work at a big ad agency and live this very stereotypical corporate lifestyle. All of a sudden it was not appealing to me anymore because I found something that I loved even more than that. And that was the different, a different vision. So then it was, okay, 
plan B, I don't want to give up the idea of what, what I love to do. I want that incorporated in this new direction. So how can I do that? So then it really became breaking down. Okay. What are the things that you do love here that we can carry over into kind of that next step? And now what I'm able to do today is like, I, it's, it's something that I literally didn't even exist as a career field when I first was considering career fields at the time, but it's so much better than what I could have even imagined for myself then. Even if it, even if it was on my radar, I don't even think I would have given myself the, the clap on the back to be able to do it. So I think that's really sound advice in terms of having, being able to identify what elements of what you love are kind of uh, transferable so that if the exact path that you're on is no longer the right one, it can kind of help guide you onto the next one. But I'm really curious too, before going further, can you explain to everyone what life as a professional ballerina is like, especially as a 14 year old, because I don't know if everyone grasps (laughs) the intensity of that, especially at 14, because this was not just like, you thought you knew what you wanted to do and how to plan, whatever. This was like, this was your entire life and all that you knew from age five. Like that's, that's kindergarten. I don't think people, Mm -hmm. many people can remember before kindergarten. So like, tell, tell us here what, what a day in your life as a professional ballerina at age 14 was Ah. like, (laughs) you know, it was particularly to my little teenage self. It was thrilling. It was an adventure. It was um, moments of just pure wonderment um, and incredible hard work. So as a 14 year old, I had to decide that I had to balance my schooling with my dance. So in the mornings, I would truck into the dance studio and take a two hour dance class, which you do every single day uh, for training and to keep in condition and to work on your technique. And you're working with instructors from all over the world. And then I would head into four hours of rehearsal with the adults because this is their full-time job. They weren't balancing student life with career. They were in their career. But if you want to make it, this is what you have to do as a teenager. So I would bring my textbooks in and they would sit next to my point shoes. And most of the time they got cracked open. Occasionally they did not. (laughs) But, um, you know, I was very type A, still am. And type A in the sense of being very passionate, very focused and driven. And I would say those are the qualities that have helped me transition into my next career. Um, And I have just this innate curiosity about how things work why we're doing things and when i was a dancer that meant you know standing at the bar and just looking at the detail of how the hand moves from forward to over the head and open and you would stay so focused on those minute little movements and it helped kind of train you to engage not only your mind but your mind body connection um so i would uh spend several hours in the morning to the early afternoon then i would have a break i would sit down i would do my schoolwork then either in the evenings i'd have several more hours of rehearsal or I would be in the theater for several hours and this was six days a week and eventually at age 16 17 I began instructing uh dancers and I started with little children all the way up through professional dancers as I aged and it was all-encompassing you know we often when I say I was a professional ballerina people think of that uh I can't even remember the title the, the movie the black swan with uh, Natalie mm-hmm. Portman and yes it's it I didn't sprout wings <laughs> I did fly on stage, Um, but it is that intensity. You're dealing with 
adult relationship relationships and adult dynamics, which is very important. And there's a power structure, which is fortunately changing now, particularly in the Me Too era, where young women specifically are not given a lot of notice, power, or encouraged to kind of own their power, own their voice. And I'm of one of the last generations where that was really, really occurring. And there were situations that I found myself in as a teenager that, thank goodness I had, you know, the frame of mind and the, the resilience to get myself out. But I saw other young ladies, they didn't fare as well. And I'm so happy to see that changing, that this is more of a equal um, world now between men and women, but also in the power structures between directors and teachers and their dancers and their students. Mm -hmm. So overall, very intense. <laughs> For sure. So then drop us some tips from your perspective then on being able to look at where you're at now. If, if anyone listening is kind of in a similar situation in the sense of you're in something that it's kind of all you've ever known. It's all you've ever loved. It is your life and what you live, breathe and sleep, but being able to kind of take a step back now and really pick it apart in a way that lends itself to a pivot. If there's this, if there's any sort of inkling that this might not be the forever path or the, or it's the path for now, but maybe the next path is, is going to have to be, or will be a little bit different. You know, that's a really great question. I think the first piece of advice I would give to someone who's in that situation that I I always wish someone had told me because of because of that pressure cooker situation where it was all or nothing that I was in, I didn't give myself grace. I didn't give myself space to look at the broader picture. I was very narrowed in on the, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. I was looking at what was directly in front of me, which was, oh, you are Jesse the ballerina. How are you going to use those ballet sort of skills to the next still set, the next career? And I looked at Dan um, education, going to school and going into dance teaching as the next obvious one. But as you begin to realize and you begin to feel that sort of shift internally and you will feel it and it is and it's scary and it's nerve wracking and it's completely brand new, particularly if it's something, you know, you're on a career path that you focused on so intensely for so many years, it almost feels like you have a debt to be paid. And if you stray from that career that you've really just given all your energy to, it feels like you're letting yourself down, your peers down, your teachers down, you're not. Because in the end, you have to be happy with what you're doing. Otherwise, it's meaningless to you. It's just a job. It's just a client. It's just a content develop. It's That's what it is. It's plain and simple. You need to find something that you're passionate about. So you need to take a step back, get some distance, and give yourself a moment to breathe and take in. And it's okay to have that moment of doubt. It's in that space that you can decide, am I going to stay on this path or am I going to take the next path? So I would say taking the breath and also sitting down and making, I'm a big list uh, person. I like me checking too. lists, you know, <laughs> I love it. it. It gives me something that I can see in front of me and a simple pro and con list. You know, when I sat down trying to figure out if I wanted to go back to professional dance full time, I made a pro and con list. The pros were, yes, you get to meet amazing, marvelous people, work with artists, create this sort of fairy tale landscape. You get to be every little girl's dream. But the con was there wasn't a lot of time for individuality, uh, for your own interests. And it was a very short lived career. And for me, those cons outweighed the pros and that really spurred me on. But the other, the third part I would say is, remember the still set that you have developed 
on that first path absolutely can be applied to the next career path or the next life path. You're never standing still. As human beings, we're constantly learning, constantly evolving, and it's never the, you know, the, the quote unquote death of one path or one still set, one career, one version of you. It's not, it's the evolution of you mm. and it's on to the next iteration. And I think that's a really important um, message to keep in mind as you're facing these fears, you're not leaving. I didn't leave Jesse the ballerina. I just became Jesse, the fully formed, artistic, foodie, cocktail lady who loves point shoes and still goes to the ballet and can still do the splits. I still have my enthusiasm for the art and I will till the day I die. But I am so much more than just Jesse, the ballerina. It's so true. Tell us now, I know you have connected the dots yourself at this point, kind of the skills that you've taken from being in ballet and now how you've seen that kind of take, take root, even in food blogging. And some people are probably like, how the heck are those connected? <laughs> but I know in seeing that myself in your story, I, I immediately was making similar sorts of connections in my own story. And I think it's something a lot of us don't necessarily connect until afterwards, because of course, hindsight might be 2020, but if you really sit back and take a look, it's, it's super fascinating to be able to see, Oh yeah. Like I do do that all the time now. And that's clearly a skill that I picked up at this point. It could have been decades prior. So draw the connections for everyone between <laughs> ballet and food blogging, because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny because as we, we mentioned earlier, dance is very regimented um, and we are quite strict about our diets to the point of um, almost being unhealthy about it. So while I was dancing, I was five foot seven and 115 to 118 pounds for most of my life, which meant that I didn't indulge in much. I did not eat the cheesecake. I couldn't have the cocktails. It was uh, food for fuel. And when I left dance, I like to say this is my petite revenge. This is me making up for lost time. But in essence, though, what I have brought from the dance studio, which is focus, which is attention to detail, clean lines, uh, beautiful sort of spacing, symmetry, movement, that movement, whether it's my body to music on stage or if it's photos of my food where I'm creating visual movement, where I'm guiding the viewer to where I want them to go in that frame. And it could be from, you know, a beautiful vase of flowers that I arrange to my cocktail presentations that are very elaborate to, you know, a really hearty dish that evokes emotion and evokes a stimulus. This is all part and parcel of the artistic creation in the dance studio that's now been transferred to food. I would say that I've always been a foodie. I was one of those little girls that cooked at my parents' elbows. I was constantly sticking my hands into the bowl, stealing the chocolate chips, trying to make my own things. But it wasn't until I married and uh, we decided to move out of Boston. I was a complete city girl, born and raised in Boston, urban gal, went out to the country in the Berkshires where, you know, in, <laughs> I never envisioned my life at all like this, but it's wondrous. I went out to the country where I am living the farm to table lifestyle. I know my growers, I know the farmers, I know the chefs, I know the cooks, I know everybody out here. I know where my food comes from. And I suddenly had time. And that is a treasure from coming from a career from age five, where I spent 
numerous hours in the studio without any time outside of dance to sort of focus in on any other skill set, any other interest. I had it. I did have two little children. So, I mean, but it was still more time than I had before. <laughs> so, um, with baby babble in my ears, I had two little ones, I realized that I needed a project. And I am one that needs to fiddle, to create, to have something that's my own. And to find that kind of work-life balance, I started cooking. And I discovered that I had a knack for it. And I kept evolving. And I realized, you know, in this day and age, we don't often go to cookbooks anymore. We go to the web. So I would go to these bloggers and some were fantastic. I mean, idols. And then others, I was like, oh, that looks delicious. And I would be cooking the recipe. And the recipe in the end didn't look anything like what I saw on the page or the cook time was way off or the flavor was way off the directions weren't right and I started noticing like this is this is a trend these recipes aren't necessarily well tested they're not well explained and if there's one thing I can do (laughs) is explain it in detail and bring that focus from those hours at the bar to my food and I'm a big home entertainer. I throw dinner parties all the time. And after one really successful Thanksgiving where I hosted 16 people and had a multi-course meal and it was amazing, you know, there was turkey, there was uh, pork, there was apple pie, there was all this, all this, you know, stuff. Instead of emailing my guests the recipes when they requested, I turned to my husband and I said, I'm going to start a blog. (laughs) And Straight to the Hips Baby was born around the dinner table partially for my need to connect to the outside world because I was a mom of two little boys under two years old. It was also my need to share my love of food, but it was also that artistic endeavor that fed my, again, my soul, my creativity and kept me going forward because it's always about pushing forward, learning, taking opportunities, saying yes, and making that your mantra. So that's my story as a blogger. (laughs) From uh, point shoes to aprons, it's all there. <laughs> yeah, but it's so good along the way. I think I want to touch on too, though, you mentioned earlier how big you are and how your mom instilled in you having a plan B. Obviously, the blog kind of was this natural evolution as you, as everyday life happened and as real life just kept evolving. But how did you stay focused and stay determined and stay still set on your plan A? knowing that you were kind of intentionally also having this plan B, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a good question because the, the evolution, you know, from dance student to professional ballerina, to teacher, to mother, to part-time blogger, to full-time food influencer and TV food personality, it did not necessarily, you know, not have its bumps. I had some tremendous bumps. And, you know, I'm the mom of three boys now. I have a husband who works in medicine. So that means long hours away where I, as um, I take on the brunt of the parenting and, and that's just how it is. You know, we, this is our life and we're happy and we have a good work-life balance. I think staying focused, it's about finding something that provides enough for you to keep going on those low days you know we all have our high highs you know those those moments where we're acknowledged by our peers or acknowledged by magazines publications things of that nature and that's amazing when i first started getting brand deals i was on cloud nine because it was something being self-taught both in photography and food um and even you know presenting on television it's so great to be acknowledged but there were low lows and one of those um was when my father became ill with cancer and i became his primary caregiver and 
for 18 months, the, the blog went on hiatus as I cared for him and um, helped him on his next journey. Um, there was a, a pause when I had my third son because suddenly whatever free time I thought I had was gone because I had another baby. And so it's, again, giving yourself space, that grace to realize this is not the end unless you want it to be. So when I had to take that break from my baby, it wasn't the end. I'd post here and there. I kept my social media up. I did what I could that was comfortable for me, that didn't stress me out, but still gave me the feedback, still gave me the outlet. And when my father passed, the blog, after I had done my period of mourning, the blog became my safety net. It became my focus. And I came out of that experience realizing how precious our time is as as creators and I went headlong in and it, I can look at that year I made a mantra at the beginning of the year because I wanted to change my path again still within food blogging but I wanted to take it to the next level and I like to give myself words at the beginning of each year a phrase a word and that year and I swear it changed my life it was the phrase why not because I had been holding myself back because I was a mother, because I was a wife, because I was a caring daughter. And I had all of these family obligations and not that those are not necessary or important, but my time was now my time. My children were in school um, and I could focus a little bit more on my, my passions and why not turned into talking to book agents? Why not turned into grabbing TV segments when I had never been on TV before? Um, I'm a ballerina by heart. That's a silent art. We don't talk. So suddenly I had to figure out how am I going to talk on TV and cook at the same time and not burn anything? Um, <laughs> how am I going to make small talk? It turned into magazine features. It turned into articles. It turned into this beautiful um, creative effort that I could say, yeah, I put all my energy into that as much as I could. And I think that's what we need to tell ourselves along this path, whatever career that we are looking at, whatever endeavor we're in, you give yourself the space, nourish yourself as best you can with that creative project, while still maintaining the sense of balance if you have other sort of elements in life that are staying forward, but it's never the end until you decide it is. That's so powerful too. When, and in speaking of endings, you mentioned earlier, you know, having Jesse dot, 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 question mark, not an ending, but an ellipsis here. So how did you avoid identity crises along the way, especially at such a young age, uh, even though you were very intentional with your transitions I'm sure there were probably still moments of, of panic where you were like, wait, <laughs> yes. what, what is happening? <laughs> like, what am I doing here? So what now on the other side, is there anything you would go back and tell younger you in when you were facing those sort of identity crises moments along the transitional periods or just any advice you would give to kind of avoid any potential total mental breakdown moments of... <laughs> Am I? <laughs> oh. along the way. <laughs> I think that those those total mental breakdowns where you you start to question who who am I what am I doing they're pretty healthy mm -hmm. that's a good thing to have because it means you're growing and you're shedding whatever sort of 
past behaviors, past influences that may not be working for you anymore. But oh yeah, I had several key moments where I, I remember wondering, you know, first when I transitioned out of professional dance, like what the heck am I going to do? Like that was a severe crisis of personality, a, a severe crisis of trying to figure out and separate myself from this sep not separate, but um, this creature that I think that was more shaped by the people around me and the influences around me than actually shaped by the individual that was me. And I think mm. that a lot of us as young people, we do have that moment, you know, whether it's in our teenage years and we're rebelling and we're going out at night. I didn't do that. I was a ballerina. I had to be in the studio. So it was a delayed sort of response. And luckily, um, I didn't do anything nuts. But, you know, I... I, you know, discovered that I could be with other people my age, I could go to parties, I could, you know, have a life. And it helped me and, um, and crisis, you know, after having children, that's another turning point, you know, when you can say about life, the before and the after, um, that's a pivot, I would say that you need to Again, check in with yourself, see who you are, see what you want to do. If you have people in your life that you trust, that you truly can trust, and they know who you are and they can see the potential in you for the future, check in with them. I'm, I've been lucky enough to have several very, very dear friends of mine. I consider them sisters um, who I first met when I was a teenager in dance, who to this day, they are my, my people. They are my my family and I can check in with them. It's nice to check in with cohorts versus parents sometimes too, because it's a lot of weight. There's a lot of, you know, expectation. But when it's your cohort, when it's your best buddy who has nothing but the best intention for you, it's good to check in and ask them like, hey, am I am I deviating here? Am I being healthy? Am I being good to myself right now? Because if I'm not, can you like just give me a heads up? And that's a pivot point. Like, you don't want to be damaging. So um, check in with yourself, figure out what you need to do, which is I, I know is harder than it seems, but check in with that gut feeling and check in with your friends who love you, your cohort, see where you're going. Um, and, you know, it's there's never a path or a, a foot forward that you can't change. So even if you head out on one, you know, in one direction, it doesn't mean you're stuck with that direction for the rest of your life. It's, oh, well, I guess, uh, you know, act, you know, acting was not my thing. I'm going to come back over here. And you can do that. You can totally do that. There's flexibility and choice. Yes. I heard it said once so well, and it always stuck with me that we all come into this world just as ourselves. And the only thing that we have with us are kind of like the personality traits in us or the little quirks in us that make us us. There are no job titles. There are no hobbies as of yet. Like there are no other things. It's not until much later in life that we end up kind of absorbing certain things as parts of our identity. And really it's just us that's holding on to these things. Yes. It wasn't, they're not permanent and they, they can change and they can evolve with you. And I love that you keep emphasizing giving yourself the grace and the space. Cause that's something I say all the time. And we've said on thrive many times before, just giving yourself that grace and space to not actually be tied down to any of these things, whether it's something that you put on yourself or somebody else put on you, but allowing yourself the flexibility to grow and for any sort of title or whatever that comes with you to just be this passing thing that does not define you for the rest of your life. Because 
man, life is, life is not that long. (laughs) And, (laughs) and it's just, I mean, you can make it count. However, however is the most meaningful to you as that, as that meaning changes too. Beautifully put. Absolutely beautifully put. And I so agree. And I think it's something that's the message I would go back to my young self. Have have the grace, have the space, and what you choose to do right now may ha- may have an impact on your life in the future. But it's not; it can change. It's the flexibility of life, and it's it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears totally mm-hmm. before we wrap things up, because you're a self taught cook, can mm-hmm. you spill the beans on <laughs> like a favorite easy recipe to whip up in case anyone listening needs a dinner idea for tonight? or just like something, something new to mix things up for their family in the kitchen. What have you got for us? <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I could talk about this for an hour. Um, <laughs> what I would do, I am just a big fan of good home style cooking, no shortcuts, real ingredients. And I, I love a dish that is easy to make, but has that wow factor when you plate it. So what I would tell you is to whip up some herbed Uh, turkey meatballs that are baked in the oven. They have all sorts of fresh herbs. They have garlic in there, a little bit of shallot. They're moist. There's panko in there. So they're a little bit crispy. And then you create this homemade roasted tomato sauce with baby cherry tomatoes and balsamic vinegar, white wine vinegar, a little bit of brown sugar, basil, garlic. And it creates this syrupy, sweet, tart, just mm, savory. And then you serve that all on a bed of creamy pureed celery root, which you treat this gnarly root. You peel it, you chop it, you treat it like a potato, you boil it, then you add cream and butter and you puree it. And what you do is you layer puree, you add a meatball on top, you add a little bit of that sauce and then shavings of Parmesan cheese. And it becomes this restaurant quality dish and you serve that with a pink grapefruit basil gin smash, which you can also find on the site. And you have this a, you know, five-star restaurant meal that you just created yourself in an hour. And that is really my emphasis for people is to bring people back to the kitchen and realize that if I can do this as someone who had zero training, self-taught, you can do this. So it's from my kitchen to your dining room table. You can do this. And now I'm drooling. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even tell you about the desserts I have. <laughs> oh. Well, I got a taste because I was on your website and I was like, print, print, print. This is great. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, now I have to get things wrapped up by asking you something. I ask all guests on Thrive, which is what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life now? Ooh, I liked this question. How do I thrive? You know, it's changed as I've changed in life. I would say my thriving is making sure that as I take from, you know, the energy, the emotions, the thought, the creativity, the support of my community, of my family, of my friends, that I give it back twice fold. So for me, thriving means giving back to my community. It means doing charitable events, charitable donations, charitable, whatever I can do to help out another family that needs that help right now. Because I've been in that situation and I think it's so important. It's, it. It's thriving because I'm showing my children that this is the way the world works. It's not about turning the shoulder, it's about kindness. And by kindness, you grow and you thrive. It's about being in a loving relationship that's about balance and patience and equality and having that love being bounced back and forth. And thriving is having 
the opportunity to sit down at the table and look around at my friends and my loved ones with a meal that I prepared with my own hands and seeing their look of comfort, of nourishment, of joy at being together. And that's my thrive. I love that. So tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more, to get your recipes, um, all that good stuff. Amazing. Yeah. So you can find all of my recipes and my home entertaining content at straighttothehipsbaby.com. You can also find me on Instagram at straighttothehipsbaby and also on the Clubhouse app where I am the creator and head moderator of an amazing food creator group that encompasses food bloggers, chefs, mixologists, food photographers, and that's called the Food Blog School. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.